0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Say goodbye to my wife, and I'll say hello to yours. Welcome back you are listening to three guys in a flick this is where we review the good the bad and the absurd tonight's episode bone tomahawk beware spoilers coming to you from my basement as always my name is Don and to my right we have our comic book guy John
1: howdy
2: partner
0: and to my left we have the professor Ken pleasure how you guys doing tonight?
2: Doing all right. Yeah,
1: so yeah. far so good. You? Well, you Not made, too bad. You made me watch a Western.
0: I did, I did. And why did I make you watch a Western? Oh, that's right. This is our last, thank God, of the genre picks. So I don't have to hear about musicals or food movies or road movies ever again.
2: What
1: about period pieces? I
2: was just going to say that.
0: And what I'm going to say to both of you is, fuck, fuck you. you the greater good no it's (laughs) greater good uh so yeah we are talking about bone tomahawk uh this was my western and if you are wondering why i chose bone tomahawk continue to wonder i already am
1: are you Mm -hmm. i think it's because there's something wrong in your head
0: Uh, well that very well may be true however Uh, I recommended Bone Tomahawk because when it came time to Westerns, the first one that popped into my head was Wyatt Earp. And the reason why Wyatt Earp popped up was because we had done Tombstone. And so I was thinking Wyatt Earp. But then I started thinking, you know what? They're expecting me, or at least I think the professor was expecting me to pick Wyatt Earp yeah uh so i wanted to come up with something different and for some reason the poster or dvd cover art of bone tomahawk popped into my head and it's the one with kurt russell and he's looking all kurt russell-y and and i remember you and i professor had talked about it years ago Mm -hmm. and when it came time for a western that's where my head was at and i know for a fact john you had never seen it because well you don't like westerns
1: how long ago was it when you first saw this movie
0: uh, it came out in 2015, so probably 16, 17.
2: That's what I would guess.
1: And did you see it on TV or did you see it in the theater? No, I saw
0: it on, uh, on demand.
1: On demand. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it made a lasting impression. As far as westerns go, I thought it was really good. As far as I guess you could call it a horror film as well, uh, really good so um yeah i was excited to watch it again and i'm glad i did and now we're going to talk about it and see what you two first timers thought but before we get into that let's talk about how this movie did it was made for 1.8 million dollars and it only grossed 481 thousand dollars but because of word of mouth and dvd sales and blu-ray sales the total domestic uh, including video sales was four million two hundred and ninety eight six hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars
2: I was shocked when I saw that the budget was that and yeah. that, that, that 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 is what they made that for I was shocked
0: it took them 21 days to shoot this film three weeks insane right crazy I was uh, listening to the director um, on this podcast and he said that when it came down to the the shoot the uh, they dedicated one week to the uh, the town stuff, stuff inside the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks on uh, the journey and then a, a week in the cave. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you think about it in those terms, I mean, that's pretty fucking impressive.
2: Really efficient filming. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And they obviously reused sets because where was that cave from?
0: I'm going to go ahead and say it was from the first Iron Man. It was, in fact. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that's uh, so call back to Marvel. Yeah, there you go.
2: Anyway, I was uh, really surprised that this movie made as little as it did. I mean, that is pennies, pennies to make that paltry amount.
0: Yeah, it was also released as unrated, and I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it. Um, Because once it got to video, I mean, it kind of blew up so
2: yeah it's got a potential maybe to be a
0: cult movie
2: maybe
0: yeah I it, actually I i've it's read so. it
1: has quite a
2: following
0: it was released on october 23rd 2015 it was directed by s craig soller written by s craig soller stars kurt russell patrick wilson matthew fox lily simons richard jenkins evan jojongik i think Catherine Morris, Sid Haig, David Arquette, and Fred Malmand.
2: So uh, this is Muller Zoller's. This is his directorial debut, isn't it? It
0: is. Correct. And he also wrote the story. Yes, he did. He's actually, uh, he's written like five books. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. There's more books. This is like the fifth Western he's written. So,
1: An interesting thing that I read was... They went through a bunch of script revisions before they made this movie, but then they ended up using the very first script.
0: Yeah. First draft. Um, yeah, so the the first draft of the script is virtually the same as the shooting script that they use mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Which is very uncommon as well. Mm-hmm. So,
2: What do you think about how the movie opened? It opened to the sound of flies. Yeah. And opening to the sound of flies... That's not a good sign. Right.
0: I think the sound design in this was great. Did you know there was no ADR on this film? Everything you heard was on-set audio. No shit. Yeah. Mm. that's fucking impressive too.
1: I also heard that they decided since, you know, kind of, it was a gore fest in some of the movie. They decided to do something different than more classic horror movies. They went with dry sounds versus wet sounds. Yeah. They said a lot of murders in typical horror movies sound like you're cutting into a watermelon. They wanted it to sound very dry. Cause it was out in the dry arid desert.
3: Yeah.
0: I thought this film was pretty impressive overall and we'll get into it in much more depth Um, But before we do that, John, what defines a Western?
1: A Western is a literature, film, or television genre. Westerns are primarily set in the American Old West between the 8th century and the late 19th century and tell the stories of cowboys, settlers, and outlaws exploring the Western
2: frontier and taming the Wild West. When we were reviewing... Hell or High Water, I also chimed in about what makes a Western a Western. And there were three main points that I also brought up. One is you have a sense of lawlessness, that there is only frontier justice. Another characteristic is that you have sparse, barren lands. It is you against the elements, and there is no help anywhere close. And the third element that I referenced was I think it had to do with that the characters are driven, regardless of what they think is going to be the outcome, they are driven by their convictions that they are going to get their justice. This movie seems to hit all three of your
0: points. I was just thinking of the exact scenes uh, that were in this film to your points, right? So yeah, for sure.
2: I also was commenting about... These points, but I had additional points that I am curious to hear what you think of these. Why are westerns seemingly not as popular as what they used to be? We have less
0: westerns these days because people like modern. And if you said realistically, "Hey, let's go watch this fantastic." What's the best western you've ever seen? Unforgiven. Okay, so let's go. The Ugly. Okay, so let's go watch
1: Cowboys and Aliens.
2: No, that is one of the main reasons recently that Westerns have had such a hard time. Continue.
0: Thank you. Can I? Fucker. Um, (laughs) If someone said, do you want to go watch Unforgiven in a theater with the sound, just the theater experience, or do you want to go watch The Matrix? Which one do you pick? Well, I picked The Matrix. Okay, That's that's why westerns aren't as popular as they used to be
1: i feel like it's for a long time especially between like around the 80s and 90s people started wanting movies more that either took place in the present or the future sure they stopped looking at things that happened in the past we're starting to see i think a resurgence of people liking historical type media example the crown downton abbey things like that people are starting to get back into that kind of stuff but people still love sci-fi they still love futuristic or present oh sure
0: and just like any genre out there it's an acquired taste um not everybody loves horror films uh some people love westerns more than anything and would have picked unforgiven right so i mean it does come down to the acquired taste for sure uh, I happen to really enjoy westerns. Watched them with my grandpa when I was little. I have an appreciation for them, and I I really have an appreciation for westerns that are, I guess, the best way I can put it, are practical, right? You, there's no CG. They're out in the frontier. They found a location. They're they're really out there and doing it. I think there's there's something to be said about that.
1: Well, growing up, you're you're probably like me in that. Oh God, I hope not. My. Father loved watching Gunsmoke, the uh, you know the Paladin, uh, Rifleman, all of those Maverick.
0: Well, your dad has a great taste.
1: So growing up, got to see a lot of it. I'm surprised that you know the taste never stuck with me.
0: I'm not. Mm. Yeah, you, you, know, you don't strike me as a Western guy, not by any stretch of the imagination. Dad,
1: Dad still loves okay. a good Western.
0: Well, tell Rick to come on down and let's watch a Western. We'll review it.
1: I think he submitted one for our future user
0: picks. <gasps> I think he did too. Yeah. Okay, Rick. You need to come down here and talk about it with us, buddy. What do you got? What do you think of Westerns? Do you generally like them? Um, you I like got, Westerns.
2: I got a soft spot for Westerns. I own uh, probably a dozen Westerns in the library, at least that. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy them. But here's some thoughts to consider about Westerns today. The problem in making a Western is they're pretty expensive to make because you need to make everything. Mm -hmm. We don't have the set. We don't have the town. We don't have all that stuff, the period pieces of of the older uh, guns and such and renting out horses and all that jazz. Another big deal is the Chinese market. The Chinese market is overtaking the world market for when it comes to movie consumption and the movie consumption is not necessarily about the American history anymore. Sure. And so the Chinese market is starting to, you know, if you want to, if you want to pay your movie off, it has to do well overseas. And there's a billion people over there that, you know, are they going to consume your product or not? Oh yeah. Another issue is that the, the, the genre of the Western has changed. In World War I, World War II specifically, yours, your cowboys are seen a little bit like U.S. soldiers are. They are heroes. And by the time we get to the 70s, things are a lot more complicated, and you have just as many anti heroes as you have with heroes. And then in the last, you know, maybe 10 years, not quite that, things have gotten so polarized, so politicized, that it is hard to find a footing of what you want to have in your Western that represents somebody who you're willing to get behind. Mm -hmm. Another issue that they also have is that they're not action movies. They move at a lot slower of a pace. And this slower pace, people aren't acclimated to it anymore necessarily because they're, they're used to that instant gratification of this happens and then this happens and then this happens. As well as, you know, the CGI-ness of things. Sure. Right? You can make things more spectacular. You know, think about, you know, what it looks like, you know, with Helm's Deep, for example. Holy moly, that is majestic looking. What do you get in a Western? You, you get a
0: shootout. And Rolling Hills and Dust mm-hmm. Bunnies.
2: I got to say the last
1: Western that, besides Hell or High Water, that really stuck with me was Hateful Eight. That, I felt like for a while maybe that's where Westerns were going.
0: The Hateful Eight was good. I enjoyed it. But it's also very much a Tarantino film. And so if Westerns were going to go toward Tarantino, well, I don't know. Uh, again, I enjoyed The Hateful Eight. It's not one of my favorite Tarantinos, but I, I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. I, I will say this about The Hateful Eight. It came out the same year as this movie did. And Kurt Russell looks exactly the same. Why is that? Coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't make it out alive again. Well, yeah.
1: Well, I will throw out this too. Quentin Tarantino was asked about this movie, and he said he really enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I guess this filmmaker was uh, really likes Tarantino stuff mm-hmm. too. And and I like Tarantino stuff too as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think I would watch this over the Hateful Eight. Mm.
2: I would too. I think.
0: No offense, Quentin,
2: because I, I watched Hateful Eight in the seventy millimeter theater experience.
0: I was with you, fuckhead.
2: Yes, you
3: were.
0: Okay,
2: but wasn't do invited. I have do I have any desire to see it again? Not as such.
0: If someone said, Hey, do you want to go watch a, the 70 millimeter print of the hateful eight? I'd have to think about it. I mean, 70 millimeters.
2: Okay. So, but it's so all about a 2.3. Okay. But watching it at home.
0: Yeah. Not so much. Not so gonna, let's not, gonna, let's, let's, gonna, let's knock gonna that gonna down, down to a two, Yeah. Yeah. Let's knock that down to like, oh, maybe 1.75. Yeah.
2: On a rewatchability scale. Yeah.
0: There, uh, he would, he's made about 10 films and I would watch.
2: Well, Quentin's all about his dialogue and, and, and it, it is rich with its dialogue. I would probably watch seven before that
0: one.
1: I feel like a lot of his movies have a Wild West, Western kind of feel.
0: Oh, it's it's more of a spaghetti Western, but yeah. It? Yeah, Because yeah, I, I understand Bi- what you're saying.
1: Even the Kill Bill series scene. Well, that like. was,
0: that was uh, Western and Japanese anime. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're not really here to talk about Quentin. In the 1890s, Purvis and Buddy, two drifters who rob and kill travelers, encounter a Native American burial site. They are attacked. Buddy is killed and and purvis escapes purvis arrives in the nearby town of bright hope and buries his loot however deputy chicory reports him reports him to sheriff franklin hunt hunt confronts purvis who tries to escape only to be shot in the leg hunt sends john Bruder to fetch the town's doctor meanwhile foreman arthur o'dwyer rests at home with his broken leg tended by his wife samantha the doctor's assistant as the doctor is drunk Broder calls on Samantha to treat Purvis, leaving her with Purvis and Hunt's other deputy, Nick. That night, a nearby stable boy is murdered. The murder is reported to Hunt, who goes to the jail and finds it empty, with an arrow left behind. The professor, an educated Native American, links the arrow to a tribe that he refers to as Troclidites, as their culture has no spoken language and hence no name. He warns Hunt that they are a group of inbred cannibalistic savages, disdained and avoided by other native groups certain that samantha nick and purvis have been captured by them hunt prepares to go after the clan with chicory and broder who is a veteran of the indian wars arthur despite his broken leg insists on accompanying them to find his wife all right so professor you had mentioned that the film opens with the flies this opens with the uh, david arquette murdering this guy in his sleep so, I mean, this is going to tell you right now what kind of film we're in for.
2: Absolutely, because within two seconds, you're looking at somebody's throat being slit.
0: Yeah, and the camera's not pulling away. I mean, they're showing us what's going on, and you can hear the the sawing. And as you were saying, it did sound dry. Right? like he was going through skin and tendons and, and all that other stuff. So, mm-hmm. And uh, you get
1: we, that lawless feeling that the professor was talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, and, so, and then the camera pulls back, and it reveals that David Arquette and Sid Haig of Rob Zombie Film fame uh, are these two uh, bandits. Uh, bandits, there you go. Uh, Robin looking for uh, something to sell or something to use. And they're, they're,
2: they're looting a campsite.
0: Yeah, they're looting a campsite. Uh, Then they hear horses, and they take off, and then they go through a burial.
2: But before they take off,
1: uh, the one that they just slit his throat pulls out a gun to shoot, but then gets killed by Sid Hegg's character, Buddy. Oh, that's right. And that's what alerts the people who are possibly the posse coming along, as well as these troglodytes.
2: So when he is giving him his his comeuppance about not slitting the guy's throat and it he talks about the two major tendons in the neck i thought for sure that was going to be foreshadowing for what you need to do at the end of the movie they said you had oh. to cut through all 16
0: all 16 tendons
2: all 16 tendons or
1: the person might live
0: i never put that together yeah it told it's totally foreshadowing It's spoken to the wrong character but he's they're giving the audience the foreshadowing
2: yeah, and but it didn't necessarily come to fruition at the end of the movie. But I thought for sure it was. Oh,
0: that's going to be for the end. It well, it came. It helped the end. I mean, because he takes out the the whistling thing from the yeah, yeah. chocolate knight's throat, right? And so he had to cut through all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and the sheriff yeah. also cuts off the leader's head.
0: So he Oh he yeah he does. Yeah. <laughs> so you know he did cut all of those. Yeah, yeah. But we jump ahead. We jump ahead.
1: What do you think of just the, the opening? I, I always can't get enough of Sid Haig. I love him and just about everything. And I wish we had a little bit more. I kept thinking, kill purvis, leave buddy.
0: Oh yeah. Um that scene it was good. It, it grabbed you and it's a cold open. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I dug it and then I didn't I didn't realize that uh after the title card, uh, the little caption in the lower right hand, I thought it said eleven days earlier. So earlier? We, yeah. What? I know. <laughs> so when we start progressing with the story, I'm like, well fuck, how is this? How is it gonna end there if we just saw, you know, eleven days earlier? But no, it was eleven days later. I was mistaken.
2: And you see the name Town of Two of New Hope,
0: and you're thinking. Wow, here comes a rainy cloud. Oh, I know. I know. And then we get our introduction to Kurt Russell, who.
1: Well, before that, before that, there was a big thing that I didn't catch right away uh, that makes you debate why the troglodytes came after Purvis. Now, either they just followed him to the town, but it was hinted at when he was trying to escape he desecrated their burial ground.
0: Yeah, he knocked and, over all the rocks and stuff.
1: And that's what pissed them off, yeah. and that's what made them follow him to the town. Otherwise, he might have gotten away.
0: Bunch of babies. So, so um, I'm, what was your question? I just
1: thought that was an interesting point out because you have to think of why did they follow him all the way to the town, and it was briefly mentioned that he possibly desecrated their burial ground.
0: Yeah, it's uh, what Nick tells uh, Hunt later on in the film. But you're, you're right. That's why they came after him is because when when they kill buddy he fumbles and starts running away and he knocks over all the rocks and stuff and Mm -hmm. you know i had one question when this was happening in the beginning i was thinking why didn't they just walk around that's a good question why not just walk around
3: yeah
2: Mm. clearly somebody put forth a lot of effort uh,
0: apparently buddy didn't care yeah so that's what you get buddy sorry
1: well, my, my first thought was, you know, when you're looking at these troglodytes and thinking, okay, these are some pretty nasty tribesmen out there. Uh, my first thought was, well, maybe they're just living this ritualistic lifestyle, seeing regular people as cattle and would never have been as brutal as they were had they not had this desecration of their burial ground.
0: Oh, no, they're cannibals. They are known for their brutality. Uh-huh. They tell, uh, the professor tells us that. Yeah. Not you, professor, but the other professor.
2: Yeah. I was thinking also that, you know, the fact that these uh, travelers are killed by the bandits, eh, they're going to die anyway. They're right next door to the cannibals.
0: Yeah, and cannibals got to eat, right?
1: That's what I was thinking too is that what were the cannibals eating before this? Because were they just eating animals and things like that? Because they were so far out there. They were a five-day ride even from the local, you know, the closest town.
0: Well, we don't know it was the closest town.
1: Yeah. But so were they taking people from other places or were they sustaining off of something else?
0: I'm going to go ahead and say they've just been doing what they're doing for so long. That's how they get their reputation. Okay. So.
2: And then we get a quiet night at the saloon. Boy, it is dead at that
0: saloon. That's right. Because everyone's on the beeves. You guys know what that means? No. Mm. Uh, They're cattle ranchers. So they took the livestock out.
2: Oh, they're they're delivering the livestock. Yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> I mean, that's what I heard. I could be 100% wrong. You probably are. Yeah, well. It wouldn't be the first time today.
1: Well, this is also where we get, you know, our first introduction to the sheriff. Right away tells you that he's an old veteran of this lifestyle, that he knows what he's doing, and he can read a room and read a bad guy.
2: And we also meet Bruder. Bruder comes in, and uh, he wants the uh, piano player to play, and... He flaunts his money
0: and Mm -hmm. he gets him to play. And we, we immediately know that this dude's an asshole and that's who this brooder character is. And we get that right away. We also get to meet chicory when he's with the sheriff and he's the deputy or he's the backup deputy. Mm -hmm. I always like his little line that he keeps saying, um, as the backup deputy, it is my opinion or I have assessed the situation or, or something like that. Um, I really enjoyed his character. You know, he, he was simple, uh, needed taken care of. You could tell that he was having a hard time after his wife's passing, and uh, the sheriff is kind of looking out for him, kind he of still his wants friend. to feel useful. Yep, and uh, uh, Sheriff Hunt gives him that opportunity. So I really like the uh, relationship they re- established between the sheriff and Chickory.
1: I was trying to figure out where he fit in. Was he the comic relief? Was he... You know, the hope for the future. What Did you see a point to his character? Would the movie have been the same if they just had not had him? No. Was he the conscience
2: of the sheriff?
0: No. No. I wouldn't say he was the comic relief, though he was funny at times. Uh, maybe the levity of the group?
2: We needed four characters to go on a journey. And these four characters had to be unlikely allies with each other. We have one who is steadfast and true and sure to who he is, and we have all of our confidence in him. He is our protagonist, our hero. We have the asshole who is the cold-blooded killer that will do the killing that nobody else necessarily wants to do, but he is coldly efficient with it. We have another person that is clearly helpless and does not belong on this journey. He is completely different from these other two characters. Probably the most determined. Absolutely. Absolutely he is our character that is driven regardless of what the outcome could be for him at all costs he will he will push himself to his death if necessary and so chicory he is our last person that is for all intents and purposes useless he does not belong on this journey at all
1: i kept thinking of why would he even be picked as a backup deputy was he picked because you know his wife had died and he had nothing else to do with his life Maybe the sheriff took pity on him. Was he an old friend of the sheriff? I mean, if you're going to pick
2: someone to to watch your back, would you have picked him? I think it comes down to like having a horse. And this horse that is your companion throughout life, throughout his life. And then eventually the horse gets too old and too tired to do the duties that he's supposed to do anymore. Do you put the horse down? No. No. You just give the horse less responsibilities, less duties to do, and you just wait for time to take him.
0: I think you're overthinking it Mm -hmm. because I don't, for me, I didn't care because the relationship that they established with Kurt Russell and Chicory, so Hunt and Chicory, um, I believed it and just through... Their chemistry alone and their performance, I didn't need to know why he picked them. You could tell that he was kind of inept from the beginning. And you could tell that Kurt Russell has shown him pity, or not even much pity, but shown him kindness over and over and over again. And so it's—it, I felt like their relationship has already been established. So I didn't care why he was picked.
2: All that it really matters that comes down to is because we believe in Hunt, what Hunt believes in, we
0: believe too. Well said.
1: Arthur's character and his evolution. Um, I thought it was interesting they start off with a guy who's pissed off about losing his job because he broke his leg and he's so focused on that. He's focused on himself being pretty selfish, uh, not really paying much attention to his wife. All she wants is him to read this letter and he won't even do that because he's too embarrassed or whatever. Um, And just in a a whole world of self-pity. Uh, who then turns into i have to do everything to save my wife so i thought that was a a, kind of a nice evolution of that character
0: yeah um patrick wilson did a great job i bought it and he did such a good job that every time he struggled to do anything i bought it Mm -hmm. you know he when he was trying to take off his boot and examine his wound i thought he did an amazing job and um yeah uh, it was a good character yeah. Good character for sure. How
2: can, you not, how can you not flash with moments in your head of, what kind of pain must he be feeling as he's slowly pulling that boot off? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him How can time. you not? Yeah.
1: I, I honestly, throughout this movie, did not think he would make it. I thought he would either be the first or second to go. Okay. So yeah.
2: that's a great question because I am eager to know that. The journey begins with these four thoughts, gentlemen. Who is making it back home?
1: My original thoughts were the Arthur, the husband, was going to get off pretty quick. I figured the gunslinger would go at some point, and I figured the sheriff was going to go. I really didn't see Chicory get making it back either. So I thought all four of them were going to have a problem, and somehow the woman was going to make it out
0: of it. I thought that given the professor's warning, You know, it doesn't matter how many you send does it's not going to make a difference. You're not going to come back alive. I thought because of that, um, Kurt Russell would make it back with the wife. I was being an optimist, Mm -hmm. right? I figured chicory would go out, uh, sacrificing himself. I thought that the husband would have gotten off earlier Maybe, maybe not even by the chocolateites, but, you know, bandits or something, just because of his leg or whatnot. And uh, I knew that Bruder was going to not make it back because just of his uh, cavalier attitude.
1: That, and I got the impression, when they talked about his wife and child being killed by... Wasn't his
0: wife and child. It was, his, it was his mother and sister.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. So as they talked about uh, his mother and sister being killed, he kind of had this, you know suicidal look to him like he just didn't care anymore whether he lived or died. Sure. So I got the impression of he was going to go out in
2: a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. For me, I thought that Chicory was going to go first, Bruder was going to go second, and then it was a toss-up, 50-50. One of the two, either Hunt or Arthur, are going to make it back. But I was leveraging and thinking... It's going to be Hunt that makes it back with his wife.
0: And, well, I had assumed that the wife was already dead and that uh, Hunt was going to barely make it out. You know, maybe kill the last one or whatever. But Mm -hmm. that's where I saw this uh, story going the first time I saw it.
1: I also thought that uh, when they were to get there, they were to discover that these tribesmen these troglodytes were planning a big attack on the
0: town that there's gonna be
1: more than just 12 of them and that now that they had found new hunting grounds they were moving towards the town
0: oh interesting take we we get to the point where uh david arquette comes to town and uh i know this bugged you john but every time we saw david arquette in the opening and actually even these scenes too uh his teeth were white and then they were dark they were white and then they were dark did you notice that professor not at all
2: yeah Yeah,
1: it took me a little bit out of the movie it was right in the beginning too you could see he started off with these black teeth but then obviously you know it was a mistake they made in the movie every so often he have perfectly clean teeth and it will go back to black again yeah so exactly what you were saying took me a little bit out of and i kept thinking oh don's gonna hate this
0: (laughs) yeah and surprisingly there are other goofs in the movie that you asked me about earlier and and i said that uh I didn't notice them because at that time where they're at, and maybe we'll get there, uh, I was more focused on the characters and what was going on because that's what the story did for me. It pulled me in with the characters. This is very much a character piece, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, the way it was written in the dialogue and the way everything was delivered. I was I was just captivated by the performances
1: were you expecting for purvis to be such a short-lived character yeah i thought maybe he was going to have some sort of redemption and go out in a blaze of glory as well no yeah
0: you know for someone who doesn't like westerns you sure know, you sure know the terms and kind of the predictability of a lot of westerns
1: well i'm thinking you know bon jovi and all of his music so <laughs> when he got into his young gun series yeah
0: that's funny so the sheriff confronts purvis and you know he's acting all sketchy in the show kurt russell is a sheriff yes please he's freaking wyatt Earp. um uh, yes yes he was yes he was um watching him
2: go as soon as he as soon as Purvis turns on chicory i mean kurt I, i mean uh hunt he just goes ahead and just kind of sort of his head sags down he pulls his revolver out puts the revolver back down by his side and he waits for Purvis to start to move and then he raises his revolver it's like and here we go again yeah yeah. it was so relaxed
0: yeah and uh, and i love that he just shot him in the leg because he knew he wasn't going to go anywhere after he got shot in the leg so he handled it right total wired thing to do or total good sheriff thing to do Right, right. Uh, so then they go to the jail, and uh, Purvis has to get the bullet removed from his leg. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to this barn where all these horses are going crazy, and the stable boys coming out. They're skittish. This movie did a very good job of making me feel uneasy, and uh, it built a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, suspense. I felt like it really. I felt like it. It has its moments where you're watching it and you're going, ah, this is a beautifully shot western. And then the next scene, you're watching a fucking horror movie. And I really dug that vibe about it.
1: That was my probably of this movie, my first oh shit scene, when the uh, stable boy got killed. I felt like it almost harkened back to another movie we watched recently, which was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of there was no lead up to it, just boom, he gets a you know an axe to the head.
0: Oh, okay, let me let me ask you to clarify. There was no lead up to the way he was going to die or if he was going to die. You knew he was going to Okay. Die. Okay, is that's okay. That's what I was getting it at. It
1: felt like, you know, when in when we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that guy kind of walks into the house and you know he's not making it out of the house. Yeah, for You sure. know this guy's not making it out. The question is how's he going to die and boom, it just happens. <laughs>
0: yeah, agreed. And it, it is like one of those oh shit moments. Yeah. Uh, he gets his throat cut. And then he gets shot with an arrow and then he gets pulled. And I love the shot because we're of the exterior of the barn and you see the figure in the foreground and you see uh, like an arrow with a rope or a rope or something. And then the body just gets pulled in. And it's just, it was a great scene. Now the aftermath of that scene, wasn't looking forward to that one too much. But after that happens, uh, we find out that Bruder had been sent to go get the doctor went to the doctors found out he was drunk and then he went to Samantha who is Arthur O'Dwyer's wife uh, which we see their relationship early on that they're a couple that are in love and they're married and you know they seem to have a pretty strong relationship they the filmmaker wanted us to know how strong these two how strong their bond was and we get that right away right away so Anyways, Bruder has to go fetch her because she's the nurse's assistant.
2: Let me guess. Shot in the leg?
0: Yep. Yep. Like it's a norm. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a, a, a normal thing. So then that's pretty much it for the night, mm-hmm. right? And everybody thinks everything is fine, except what do we hear in the background?
2: The The conch- shell sort of
0: sound that's what i thought it was and i remember thinking uh when i first watched it it's they probably have a shell and they're blowing through it and that's what i thought too yes my,
1: my first thought was it reminded me of the sound from jurassic park the original when they blow through the raptor bone i remember that that it sounded like a very much a raptor
0: So the next morning we get the sheriff and his wife making breakfast, having a nice, nice moment. And then the, uh, bartender, the owner of the learned, the stable. Oh, wait, I thought, no, it's the bartender, the learned goose. Is that what the name is? Oh, the learned goat comes in and he says, uh, he says morning sheriff. And I love what, uh, the sheriff says to him. He looks at him very calmly, very cool. Kurt Russell like, and says, why are you in my breakfast? What the fuck are you doing here, buddy? And he says, we got some bad news. He tells him about the stable, and then he says, I went by the sheriff's office, and no one was there. He goes, not even in the cell? Because that's where they left you know, Purvis. So then they go to the stable, and they find the body of the stable boy. Talk about gore, right? He was laying there with his intestines. He was eviscerated. Yes, he was just laying there with his intestines right by his side. It's pretty gross. And I think all the horses were gone too. So Mm -hmm. these guys were stealing horses for sure.
1: And we learned too that the troglodytes are racist (laughs) because they will not eat dark skinned people. Right.
0: So then they uh, go to the sheriff's office and they get the arrow. The jail cell's open and everybody's gone. And uh, he tells Chickory, go get the professor. Everybody go to the uh, learned goat. I have to go talk to Arthur O'Dwyer. And I, and I really like this scene when he has to tell him about his wife because Arthur is out on the, on the porch expecting the, where's my wife? Yeah. He says, is my wife still at the office? And he's like, you should sit down. And let's, Arthur,
2: go, let's go inside where you can sit down.
0: Yeah. And he's like, uh, fuck you. Tell me now. And he tells him "Tell it and, to me straight. Yep. And he tells him and, uh, meeting down at the learned goat and he just takes off. And to show you what kind of character... Actually, both of these guys are at this moment. Uh, Arthur is determined. He's pissed. He wants to find his wife. You know, So he takes off, leaves his front door open, and his boots on the porch.
1: The other thing I got from this part, too, is at no time did the sheriff try to talk him out of it.
0: Absolutely. And you yep. couldn't. You couldn't. Yep. That would be and he futile. Didn't, he didn't even
2: try. He just slowly walks up, closes the front door, and grabs
0: his boots. Because no matter what has happened, Kurt Russell's character always keeps a level head Mm -hmm. you know even in the end when we get there he keeps a level head so again kurt russell well let's face it
2: he fucking carries this movie he is rock solid in this he is a giant for this movie he he totally carries this movie
0: a hundred percent
2: kind of like he did with overboard
0: oh no i think goldie hahn held her own on that one motherfucker and we can talk about that shit um don't challenge me with no fucking overboard i don't think um really no i'm just kidding so yeah we are at the learned goat they have to come up with a plan they go get to the professor and the professor comes back and says uh and this is a great bit of dialogue too because broder keeps insulting him and he's like uh they're not our people you know uh yeah this arrow but look at the arrow the arrow's different you fucking ignorant bastard that's what i felt like the professor should have said and uh i really i i like the line where uh broder boasts that uh you know he's killed more indians and than anybody in this room put together and the professor who is is that a boast yeah he says uh what an ugly boast Mm -hmm. and uh broder says not a boast fact and then walks out you know what a dick So they get, uh, they get advice or they get directions pretty much because the professor wants nothing to do with these motherfuckers. Uh, he knows that they are just savages. Bad juju. Yeah.
1: Now, you brought up a good point earlier. I think it was professor that said a uh, lot of the town's folks are gone because they're out on cattle rides. Is that what you were saying, Don? Or was yeah. that the professor? Because uh, I kept thinking... Why just the four of them? Why didn't they raise like a posse of people to go out? Because they knew that they were going up against these naive, these troglodytes that the professor had just told them was a suicide run. Why only take three other people with the sheriff?
0: They didn't take anyone. They all volunteered.
2: Yeah, but why not try to get more people?
0: Because it was a suicide
2: mission. Yeah. And we saw that because of the empty saloon.
0: Right. Well, not only that, I guess what I'm saying is uh, Hunt says, I'll go, and I'm, I guess... Brooder. Uh, well, no. Uh, Hunt says, I'll go find her with uh, Arthur, because there's not going to be any talking Arthur out of it. Of course, he's going. So, naturally, right, it's going right, to be right. us, too. Yep. Broder, uh volunteers, and so does Chicory.
1: Doesn't, didn't, I believe the Hunt tried to talk Chicory out of it. He did. He? he says, no. Totally. No, That's need you. the only one he tried to talk out of it. Yeah,
0: because yep. yep. he knows. You know he, what I mean? He or He
2: he can't hold his own.
0: No. So the four of them uh, get to set up to go find the hostages.
2: A mm-hmm. f- very four mismatched little posse.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: A very, very uh, foreboding trip ahead of them. Which they don't even know if she's alive or dead.
0: Right. And I love what Hunt says. He says, we are making a five-day trip in three three days. So you knew it was going to be rough going
2: mm-hmm. rough going so they head out to the sound of cellos very somber very sad definitely not uplifting like oh boy this is not going
0: to end well days into their ride two strangers stumble across their camp fearing that they are scouts for a raid Bruder kills them they set up a camp at another spot however a group of raiders ambush them injure Bruder's horse and steal the rest the following day, a fight breaks out between Broder and Arthur, exacerbating Arthur's leg wound. Chickory leaves him to recover while he, Hunt, and Broder continue on foot. Reaching the valley, the three men are injured by arrows. After killing two troglodyte attackers, Hunt and Chickory retreat, leaving Broder who is injured and demands to be left behind. Broder kills one attacker before being killed himself. The troglodytes capture Hunt and Chickory and imprison them in their cave. The men find Samantha and an injured Nick imprisoned in a cage. They inform Hunt that the Chocoladites have already killed and eaten Purvis. They witness Nick stripped, brutally scalped, bisected alive, and then consumed. Samantha estimates the number of chocolateites to be around 12. This number has been reduced to 9 by Hunt's posse. So their ride um this is the majority of the movie really this whole second act them going on uh this trip and i think that if i had one complaint about this movie it's about 20 minutes too long it really drags through this it does i mean i understand what the filmmakers are doing right um we know it's a treacherous trip we had a lot of shots that look like the four uh profile shot like in uh tombstone when they give each other a big high five mm-hmm. remember that one there was a, a there was a shot there's actually a couple of shots in this one that almost mirrors it and that's what it took me back to but my point is we get it we're going on this long trip when they had to start walking that's when i felt that we held on shots just for a
3: little bit
0: too long but that's just me and and, and the way i see things
1: one thing that i noticed about this uh, and i've kind of read in a couple places is noticing that the scenery, the way it changed, it starts off with this, you know, this town and it's green, you know, rolling hills, things like that. And then you start to see kind of the, the brush dying out and then they're kind of getting into almost a desert area. And by the time they got to the cave area, it looked very prehistoric. It was like they were going back in time and that whole journey to the point where they're getting to these cave dwellers.
0: Wasn't that awesome?
1: So I thought I thought that was clever the way the director and the the folks kind of designed that.
0: Yeah, and just out of curiosity, uh did you, did you kind of notice that when you watched it, or when you read about it, you went,
1: oh. I, I noticed it when I watched it, and it was confirmed in some uh, director's notes, I believe I read.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I heard him say the same thing, but uh, yeah, I didn't realize. I think you told me that a couple of days ago, and so when I watched it last night, I was watching, it and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You mm-hmm. can totally see it digress, I guess, if you will, from pop, uh, civilization to caves, mm-hmm. right? So that gr- great on them. Great on the filmmakers for I that.
1: i got to agree with you 100%, though. I thought this dragged out a little long. We didn't need all of the stuff. We didn't need the campfire talk, you know, the, like the, about the reading his book in the bathtub. I didn't really gain anything from that except for, again, a little bit of levity or a little bit of who this chicory character is. Um, the bandits coming into thing, I think, kind of showed the dangers they were in. So that kind of... I. You know, I could see that working out. Them losing the horses basically just made me think, okay, well, now they're fucked.
0: We'll see, this is this, that's funny that you say that because this is where you and I will disagree. Yes, we agree that it is too long. my My thinking of it being too long is the travel scenes i enjoyed these dialogue scenes i enjoyed their campfire i love the bit about reading in the bathtub because the end of that ends with Chickory going i bet you mr fancy pants over there doesn't know how to do that and he gets a chuckle and it's just a good bonding moment between the two um i think all of the dialogue here i i don't know if i would cut any of it i was talking more about the the traveling scenes but that's funny that you say that what do you think
2: i thought that this on the road section is supposed to be helping us get to know these characters better. And in a way, we did get to know these characters a little bit more. Bruder, on the first night out, right after they're done with their eating, the three stay around the campfire, and he picks himself up and moves himself off probably about 10 yards away from the campfire, and he's off by himself. And it's like he wants nothing to do with these guys. And it's like... Okay, well, when he dies, I guess I'm just not going to feel that bad about it because he clearly has nothing invested with these people, with this town, or anybody. He's the cold-blooded killer, and that's all he's going to be for this story. What about the remaining three? All right, so I'm going to get more of these characters, and I felt like it didn't mature that much on the road to get more resonance out of these characters. There was some, like you were talking about with Chicory and Hunt when they're going back and forth a little bit, And I thought that, you know, him saying, I'm going to do that when I get back,
0: you're not getting back. (laughs) I know, that's what I thought too. I said, aw. You you don't get to go home and do that.
2: Yeah. But he does. And so, you know, I just thought there would have been more character development and more investment into our characters. So when they do die, because I don't think any of them are making it back, but they do. I thought that it was going to be, you know, that much more tearful when they pass. There just wasn't enough. I felt like that it just, as well, it just went on a long time. It's like, this is really dragging. But on the other hand, you need to know that because you need to know just how far out into the wilderness these guys are. They are on their own, not by a little bit, but by days. They are on their own for days.
0: Yeah, and... I took it as these scenes were the the campfire scenes specifically. We get to know what I mean, we kind of know what characters they are, but we really get to know now because um you can see how arrogant and uh cocky Bruder is when he's setting up the perimeter and he says with Look, the, yep he says clearly i'm the smartest one the smartest guy here and trickery challenges him he says what what makes you so fucking smart and Bruder's reply i thought was fucking hilarious he says uh sheriff hunt has a wife mr o'dwyer oh, has a yeah, wife yeah, yeah you're widowed and then chicory says what does that got to do with anything and Bruder says Smart men don't get married. And then Bruder's kind of like, oh yeah, maybe you got a point. <laughs> so, no, Chickory, you know,
2: that was Chicory. Chicory's like, oh uh, yeah. He was the one that's like, well,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. So I thought those scenes were important. And I thought you say that you didn't get enough. You say that they went on too I, long. I just wanted, I more. thought it was, I thought it was just the right amount.
2: What we did get for Arthur is that he he is in a world of pain, and he is not going to be useful to us in
0: any way. and I got that the moment he stepped out of his house. So, so, so for why him do we to need keep more and more of it and and uh, specifically him walking, I did, that's where it was kind of weird.
1: I did get the impression when they left him behind. Uh, that he was going to be important to the end. He was going to show up at the last minute to help them. So that's what I kind of got that impression because whenever you leave someone behind or you think someone's dead, they show up at the end. That's what I thought too. The one thing I didn't think would happen because in the beginning, they kind of foreshadow a little bit when they said, well, let's take some dynamite with us. I thought that was foreshadowing that they're going to use the dynamite. And I thought one of them's going out in a blaze of glory by blowing themselves up. So when Broder said, or Broder 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 said that he was going, you know, leave me a stick of dynamite. I thought he was going to take out several of them with the dynamite. And it never even happened.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I was a
1: little surprised by it. I thought he kind of went out as, you know, a lit fuse, basically. It was a dud.
0: That's what the director wanted you to think. Yeah. And then not pay it off. Yeah, there was, so, there was no payoff in Bruder's death. He just died. And that's what made it so brilliant. Subtle. Even though it wasn't really subtle, mm-hmm. the uh, the the idea of it was.
2: Yeah, because you thought that Bruder, when he's going to go out, he's going to go out, as, as we've been speaking of, in a blaze of glory. Instead, he goes out killing nobody.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Bruder? Brutus killed... He got a
2: couple of them. But he, he he
0: kills the two guys that come up on their camp.
2: Not Okay, the troglodytes. He okay, kills you, none of the troglodytes.
1: He
0: kills one or two.
2: He shoots a couple, but...
0: Wait, yeah. when? When they're running after him after they get amb- ambushed.
1: What would you think of his hand getting lopped off? Did you catch it first? I didn't even catch it first. I saw it come down, and I thought they just smashed his hand. I didn't realize he left his hand behind until I saw it there, lying there on the ground. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh,
0: <clears throat> the way they shot it. I mean, to me, it looked like... Because uh, the the blade comes down and then you see this pool of blood, so I, I figured that he lost his hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he already had lost his horse, which was sad.
0: Oh, I was just going to ask you guys, what do you think of that scene?
1: Oh, that was tough.
0: It was tough. This movie has some really tough yeah. moments in it, and it really humanizes for the first time Bruder. Absolutely. Really, I think uh, Saucy. Because he he wavers. Right, and and Saucy was, I would think, is the only. Uh, living thing that he cares about, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and he has to put him down, and it was a heartbreaking moment.
1: It was an atreyu moment to me.
0: Oh yeah,
3: yeah.
1: not as bad as never-ending Story. That didn't. That one haunted me. But yeah, it was that bond between you know a cowboy and their the you know, horse.
0: It, it it only counts if you remember what the horse's name is. I don't remember it. Then it doesn't count. You can't have that moment. I'm not giving it to I'm you. I'm probably you, blocking it out. You, for you, you have to childhood depression. You know what? From now on, you have to think of something else. You are not allowed to think of uh, the uh, never-ending story until you can remember the name of the horse.
1: So yeah, fuck off. <laughs> now that I've depressed the whole audience.
0: Yeah, Anybody well seen that, that movie. Yeah, well that is a fucking uh, heartbreaking so, scene.
2: So how, how about having the group show up? You hear the conch shell blows at night it's like dude you guys are approaching
0: at night again they're building suspense oh no i felt really super uneasy you know what i mean the first i remember watching it for the first time thinking uh feeling uneasy and then knowing how it ends seeing it before i felt uneasy again last night watching it this movie this movie's fucking good I, i really enjoyed it um so yeah they're moving along and then they come up to i guess is uh They come up to the spot where they're going to look over the valley using the German. And before people yell at me, it was the name of the telescope that they used to see far ahead.
1: Because he got it from Germany. Thank
0: you. Um, And and in this moment, uh, up until this moment, Bruder wouldn't let any of them touch it. And now they're all kind of working together because they've all been through so much. So this is your your character arcs, right? We've also had to leave... Uh, O'Dwyer behind because his leg got too bad. Uh, being a dumb shit and trying to knock Bruder out, he breaks his leg or breaks it even more, and they have to set it, which was a painful scene to watch.
2: Did you think his leg was amputated? Yes. Or I did ta- you think his leg was
1: set? When I was talking to Don the other night, I honestly thought when they were setting his leg and everything... They showed. They pulled out a big knife or a big saw, and I thought, oh, they they took the leg. When they knocked him out with the opium and all that and left him asleep, I'm thinking, oh, they took his leg.
0: I didn't. I thought they were thinking about it because they pull it out and they linger on it for Mm -hmm. sure. They want the audience to see this knife. They even cut to chicory looking at Hunt going, should we fucking do this? That's how I took it, right? But as soon as he put it down on the bag... I'm thinking, oh, they're just going to set it.
1: Well, because I didn't Chickory say something along the lines of, uh, if they don't take the leg, he's going to die. If they take the leg, he's got about a 50% chance.
0: Yeah, 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the one thing kind of going right before that scene, when the two uh, you know, two people who turned out to possibly be banditos or whatever. They weren't.
0: He was just being a dick. But When on. they
1: came in the t- and they got shot killed, or came into the campsite and got killed uh, when Bruder shot them, did you see that coming? Because I thought, okay, well, they're just adding two more to the cast, to the posse, that are going to help them along the way. I didn't see them getting shot.
0: I didn't think they were going to be a part of the posse. I honestly didn't know where that was going to go. Uh, and it did surprise me. It surprised me as soon as he fired his gun off. I was like, oh, shit. And they kill him, or uh, Bruder kills them. And it, it, was, it, it shocked me.
1: Yeah, and it turns out, I mean, I think he was right. They were scouts for what was coming
0: next. Oh, right, because... They attacked him. Because they did get right. attacked. That's right. No, you're right. 100%.
1: But did you see that come Professor?
2: No, I was surprised how quickly they were executed by Bruder. I didn't think that Bruder would be so hasty in his decision and just act without consulting.
0: Yeah. And he did. And then uh, the line of... Uh, Hunt? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Hunt says, you had no cause. And... And Bruder just lays out the facts, you know. This is what we're up against. This is the way we live. If you want to question my morals, do it later. He's trying to keep them alive.
1: I got the impression of their guilt, the way they approached the campsite. The fact that they approached single file so you couldn't see the second guy behind the first. If they really had peaceful ten- uh, intentions, which is what I thought was the giveaway, would they have been would have been side by side and identifying themselves right away?
0: Well, Maybe yeah so that you you bring up a good point you would think that if they were if they really did truly come in peace they would have been side by side for mm-hmm. sure
1: yeah so I thought that was kind of the the alert the flag to broder just to
0: shoot them yeah maybe 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 so they uh, find the valley that they're looking for they they hear the uh, horns again right mm-hmm. and then they see the skulls. Marking something. Oh, no, 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 no. They see the tracks of the horses. Yes. Yeah. And he says, Does this look like blah, 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 blah? And then one guy's like, Yeah. And he goes, Well, that's old homeboy's horse that got stolen from the stable. Then they knew they were on the right path. And this is where shit goes south. And you know uh, what I enjoyed about this also was we're putting our three heroes in the lion's den. But every once in a while, we're going to cut back to O'Dwyer and he's going to be painfully trucking along so it it gave the filmmakers a way to cut uh from the intense action that we're about to get to slow it down a little bit and then take us right back
1: did you see the scene when they finally got to the trogodytes going down as fast as it did no not at all i didn't see them you know first of all taking out broder so quickly yeah. You know that big fight and capturing the other two guys. I thought you know there'd be a fight. A few more people would get not you know killed or whatever. It'd be a struggle and eventually maybe they get captured,
0: but not that quick. They get to the bottom of the opening of the cave, and then all of a sudden all these arrows start flying in. You're like, what the fuck's going on? And then they get jumped. Broder loses his hand. They manage to fend off. Uh, you uh, thought you the thought other two? Ones?
2: Huh? You thought two came out and Broder shot them.
0: Uh, no, Chickory shoots one of them with the double barrel shotgun. Mm. Uh, so there is at least two. I thought yeah. they killed three in that struggle. I don't know. I'd have to, I have to go. Everything happened so fast. I think so they fast. said
1: that there was 12
2: and then uh, they said, well, we got three outside. Oh, okay. And then we get the bone tomahawk throw to Brooder to take him down. I was surprised that he went down without killing more.
0: Mm-hmm. So did, so am I. And, uh, That scene was, you know, we we almost feel for Bruder after he has to shoot his horse and he's kind of becoming a human being again. And now he is faced with his mortality. And the line he says when he decides to stay back, I'm too vain to live as a cripple. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was his moment of self-awareness he knows who he is at that moment and he's prepared so they leave him the gun and the dynamite like you were saying and i fully expected a dynamite to go off and then the movie throws a fucking bone tomahawk at you hits him in the head and it's done
1: i got the impression from the very beginning of the introduction of his character that he knew they were going on a suicide run and he was planning on dying
0: I don't. I, again, I didn't get that. I, again, I think you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: <laughs> like he was just ready to join his sister and mother at any time. I didn't get that. I didn't get that either. I
0: didn't get the sister and mother thing until he talks about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe if I went back and watched it again, knowing that. Eh.
2: But I guess he needed to die for the story for the sake of, oh, we are fucked. We were fucked losing the horses. Now we're really fucked that. Losing our gunmen. Yeah. And then we're even more fucked that the that Hunt and Chicory go down and they're being drugged into the cave. Well, right. let's, well,
0: let's talk about that for a
2: second. And their only hope is a guy who's on a
1: crutch who's several miles back who, going at a snail pace.
0: Who may or may not be alive. Yeah. Right? But we'll get there. Uh, so Chicory and Hunt move on. They get jumped. What did you think about the scene where the chocolate dike is choking Kurt Russell and putting that bone in his mouth?
1: I kept trying to figure out what they were doing. I thought maybe they were going to break his teeth out. That's what I thought, too. I wasn't sure why they were putting the bone in his mouth. Uh,
0: Painful? Yeah.
1: Or just to hold him down more?
0: Painful? Because you notice the other chocolate that comes on and just hits him in the side of the head with a fucking rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chicory gets his arm shot with an arrow. They get uh, uh, drug off to the opening of the... The cave and, and I kind of like this part because the one chocolate who makes the noise to get the rope down he kind of had a predator stance. That's, yeah, he did. Yo, you saw that too?
2: Yeah, just, just his profile of his head and the horns around his jawline and the way he carried himself when he when he raised his head up. Yeah, he looked like a predator.
0: It totally reminded me of the predator. And then these ropes come out of the cave.
1: I wonder if that was on purpose to give him that hunter look and feel.
0: I, I don't know. Maybe. So now we get up to the cave, and yeah, here we go. They are imprisoned in the in a cage, and they find out that Samantha is alive, and uh, Nick
2: is alive,
0: and but, but ill. It,
2: Purvis has become puppy chow. Yes. Oh, I liked how matter of factly Samantha said that. and what about Purvis? They ate him. Yeah, She just said it so matter-of-factly.
1: You could yeah. tell she was in a bit of
2: shock. Well, she also has carried herself throughout the movie with this sardonic attitude. She has this this cold humor about her.
0: And, uh, you know, they ask her how she's doing, and she's like, I'm alive. You And you, you start to think about what kind of horrors she has seen in the past three, four days. Uh, probably unspeakable.
1: My thought originally was... What were the savages planning to do with her? And I kept thinking, well, they're probably not going to eat her. And then when we, later on, when we see the, the pregnant troglodytes, I'm thinking that's how she would have ended up. Probably. That, that would have been her end.
0: Yeah. So they, uh, I guess to show that they were hungry, uh, the troglodytes come in, grab Nick. Now, let me ask you this. You guys saw this for the first time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Professor. Did you watch the entire scene or did you close your eyes at all?
2: I watched all of it.
0: And what did you think?
2: I thought it was uh, one of the most gruesome things I've seen. John?
1: I will agree. I won't say it's the most gruesome I've seen because I've seen some pretty gruesome movies. But I will say that the combination of having Nick talk to Hunt while this is going on, I think added to it. Added to the suspense and added to the, you know, i didn't think it would be so dragged out how he was killed
0: i thought what the fuck just happened this scene even last night i knew it was coming i knew exactly when it was going to happen i didn't remember uh all of it per se i remember they fucking pulled him apart i remember thinking that going oh fuck right the first time you see it i was and i will admit this I almost had to close or cover my eyes. I, it made me feel that uncomfortable. And I don't think a movie has ever done that to me since I was in fourth grade in 1984. Right. And what movie was that? Oh, that would be a nightmare on Elm street. West Craven's masterpiece. That scene. I don't even think brutal is the right word is beyond brutal. And it was all practical. So, they kneel nick down and you're right he's talking to sheriff and we're telling and he's telling the sheriff you were right about purvis he killed a bunch of people he did this he did that and he desecrated their burial ground that's where this comes in at and then they fucking scalp him and the look on his face and the prosthetics they used Ugh, rough to watch but i think what was even more rough than the scalping was that they took the scalp
2: and shoved it in his mouth
0: and then took a fucking nail or a piece of wood and hammered it in the back of his throat and i think you're right it was so they didn't have to hear him scream right
1: that was my initial thought but i also at first when i saw them you know first of all he's naked and they had him kneel down and they started to scalp him i thought oh they're just doing this because they want to hurt him and then after they did the nail in and the scalp in his mouth to like i said i thought i to quiet him down It just became like they were, you know, killing a deer or killing, you know, know, basically preparing food.
0: Right. So they fucking put the scalp in his mouth. Then they turn him upside down. And this whole time Hunt and Chicory and Samantha are watching this. And they literally cut him down the middle and pull him apart. And if you notice when they pull him apart, his intestines fall out of the back. All the entrails fall to the ground. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God god and it was practical and the camera did not pull away it showed us all of it and you're right they were just pulling them apart so they could eat them
1: and it looked like you know obviously they had done this once or twice before i mean they were old hands it was just normal casual this is how we prepare meat
0: and the screams while the bone tomahawk was coming down Mm -hmm. chilling
2: i did like the line where they started the cut yes
1: Yes. But I did like the line of Hunt telling him that there's a posse on the way. Yeah, had to give and him then, some sort of hope, right? Because, yeah, and then Chickory was like, "There's no posse on the way. Why did you do that?" Because I had to give him hope.
0: No, he said, "Because that oh. he said because that was the that would be the last thing I I'd would want to want hear." It. Yeah, and Chickory goes, "Huh? I may have believed it. You know what I mean?" So more character building that yeah. neither of you liked. Um, so yeah, this scene, in my opinion. Is probably the most disturbing scene I've seen in a movie. I mean, more times can I say scene? Uh, I think ever. Yeah, we get that scene, and now all hope is lost. Mostly, mostly.
1: Did you think, or did you think at this point, any of them were getting out of it, or do you think that this is going to be basically a snuff film from here on?
0: I had hoped that uh, O'Dwyer would come along. But I wasn't for sure. I thought this is. I thought it was going to be a very dark ending.
1: I thought Odwyer was dead at this point. I did. So did I. Kind I of, didn't think honestly. he was going to make it. And then I kept thinking, okay, even if he makes it to the cave, how's he going to climb up that rope? You know, first of all, that they pulled the ropes up. I am sure. How is he going to get up to the mouth of the cave? Yeah, I know. And they never really answer that
3: one.
0: So after Nick is killed, uh, Samantha then goes and tells him that you know there is twelve of them. So, good fucking luck. Hunt tricks several trocolodytes into drinking liquor laced with opium tincture. One dies while another becomes unconscious. Arthur follows the men's trail and discovers the valley. He kills two trocolodytes and notices an object embedded in their windpipes. After cutting one out, he realizes that it's an animal bone and it acts as a whistle. He blows through it, luring another trocolodyte, and then kills him. In the cave, realizing two of their clan were poisoned, the chocolateite leader grows angry. They cut open Hunt's abdomen, shove the heated opium flask in the wound, and shoot him. Arthur arrives and kills one of them, while Hunt decapitates the leader. Arthur frees Samantha and Chicory, while a mortally wounded Hunt stays behind with a rifle. He promises to kill the surviving cannibals when they return, to prevent them from terrorizing Bright Hope. As the three leave the cave, they see two pregnant troglodyte women who are blinded and have all of their limbs amputated. Arthur blows on the troglodyte whistle with no response, and they hear three gunshots, implying that Hunt has killed the remaining cannibals. End movie.
1: So, the I did not see... First of all, I thought it was clever the whole drinking the whiskey flask to trick them into or making it look like he was drinking the whiskey flask I mean, to trick them into taking it uh, and using that. Did you see that coming?
0: No. And when once it started happening, I'm like, oh, that's that's really all they've got, right? They have no hope of ever getting out of there. These, you know, for savages, these guys know how to keep prisoners. Uh, what do you think?
2: I was very pleased that they had that ace up their sleeve in conjunction with having arthur wake up to the relief he sees his leg and okay this is our other ace up our sleeve and he was gonna make it to the cave at this point i thought and i don't think he's making it out but he's gonna he's gonna make a difference now yeah and so now i feel a a small sense of hope all was lost before but with the flask being drunk by the troglodytes and Arthur making his way again, and, he's, and then we get to see him kill two of the troglodytes by luring them. Okay, now there's hope.
0: Yeah, so as soon as he kills the one and notices that thing out of the windpipe, or out of his neck, he pulls it out and it's like a whistle. You know,
2: he cuts it out. He, he had to work at cutting that fucker out.
0: He did too. Right. And then did you notice that after he pulls it out, he continues to pull the schmutz off the fucking device.
2: The, the, yes. The
0: tendons. Ugh, so gross. And then, you know, he puts it in his pocket and then wipes his hands. Right. And so when, then we cut back to the cave and then we cut back to, uh, Arthur and now he's crawling and then he takes out the thing, uses it. And it was, it was brilliant right it's a smart thing to do he calls it the thing comes out boom he shoots him you know so i'm thinking now they have a chance Mm -hmm. right now there's something that it's going to lure him out they don't know any better and when he gets out there he's gonna fucking shoot him in the head i hope he doesn't run out of bullets
1: when samantha said that she had seen 12 did you start doing the math in your head and the countdown
0: no because it wasn't that important to me
1: uh, I immediately start going, okay, let's see. They got three outside, uh, two more with the opium. He just shot two or three outside. Yeah, I was counting it down. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was thinking way back when when Arthur packs up to leave, he grabs a couple of handfuls of bullets and puts them into his pocket. I'm thinking, you're going to need more bullets. than That's that. what I was
0: thinking too, right? So I was hoping he didn't run out of bullets.
2: But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Don't run out of bullets now
0: i didn't start doing the math until uh arthur showed up then i tried to do the math and i think i lost it somewhere well i I
1: am the son of a math teacher so
0: well there you go well okay well then i hope you were fucking correct
1: yeah if i worked out the math correctly um i think there's one trogadite still left besides the two pregnant women i think there's still one who slept off the opium
0: he could be unconscious or he could have died well, they said that... I know what they one. said.
1: She said one would die and one would probably just go into a deep sleep.
0: Yeah, I know that. But yeah. she didn't know that for a fact, did she? Yeah, no. He's
1: dead. It leads up for a sequel.
0: No, it doesn't. There's no one left for a fucking sequel.
1: <laughs> well, he's going to raise the two uh, babies.
2: So why take the flask and shove it into his gut?
0: Because that's what they lured him with. That's what that's what the evil object was. It, the, he made it such a point to give them the flask, you know, make it seem like they wanted it, that they did, and they fucked them up. I'd be pissed too.
1: And I think they were all about hurting. I mean, they were all about inflicting the pain and the punishment.
0: Oh, my God, and it goes on, right? Um, Not only did we just watch this guy get split in half, but now we get Kurt Russell's abdomen split open, and then as soon as they cut to the flask on the fire, I was thinking to myself, what the fuck are they going to do with that? I like that I saw that the troglodytes had the wherewithal to use a cloth to pick up the fucking flash. You notice that? Mm-hmm. And then they just stick it in that wound. I thought they were going to put it all the way in. I thought that too. <laughs> Dirty. And uh, no, they leave half of it hanging out. So fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. What'd you think?
2: I was thinking that somehow he's going to get the repeater rifle back since they appeared not to know how to work the rifle
0: oh my god and when they were putting it on his junk and he it's oh my god could you i don't even want to fucking talk about it
1: yeah that would have probably been over
0: oh fuck so yeah they can't uh they can't fire the gun but did you notice that he keeps clicking the gun and the hammer keeps going back mm-hmm. do you know in a rifle on a winchester like that it wouldn't do that you'd have to cock it
2: oh oh okay the hammer will not The hammer will not slam forward unless it is cocked. Right. So now we're down to the uh, the final zenith moment of the movie. Arthur shows up. He starts firing. We have the the main troglodyte get uh, uh, decapitated.
0: But after he got his foot chopped off too, that was that a was gruesome awesome. zoom yeah Yeah, But yeah, but at that moment you're like, yeah, motherfucker. Absolutely. I don't know how Kurt Russell's doing it, but he's got this fucking flask sticking out of his abdomen. Yeah. But even
1: yeah. at that point, when he had a flask sticking out of him and he'd been shot, I still think he's making it out of this lot <laughs>
0: Oh, you're <laughs> he, such the optimist. He's going to be a which is ironic.
1: He's going to be pretty beat up, but, Damn, that I can live through anything.
0: Yeah, and then he decapitates this motherfucker, and we think, okay, now we have a chance. And this movie did such a good job at putting me at unease that after that moment, and they're freeing everybody and getting them out of the cage or something or the other, I kept saying to myself, "Hurry up, hurry up, get out of there, get out of there now." Uh, to answer your question, how did Arthur get up there? He went up the back way, so we don't know if oh, it. We don't know if it was as steep as the right. front
2: he, way. He said, "What did he say?" He said. Uh, Something like go around the back way. Yeah, but he
0: says it in an old time Western Mm -hmm. slang or something. Now,
2: when they were getting up
1: and they were kind of leading them their way out of the cave and seeing the two pregnant troglodytes, I really thought this was going to be another oh shit moment that they were going to come upon a room that Samantha had not seen and seen like 30 or 40 more of them down below.
0: Oh, I was really hoping that wasn't the case. Yeah,
1: I really thought that this is not just going to be a try with 12. There's going to be more. I was so
0: on edge with them getting out. Again, they did such a good job building the tension, in my opinion. Um, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there right now. So, um, but yeah, these women were uh, amputated and they had like wooden stakes shoved in their eyes. Yeah. How did that not kill them?
2: I don't know. How, how, how do they continue to live like that, to be baby-making machines? Babies, I, baby yeah. factories, yeah. Yeah. I don't Gross. know.
0: And were they troglodyte women, or were they women that they abducted?
1: That was my first thought, that they were probably women that they abducted.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was thinking, that they were going to use Samantha for as well. But that yeah. you got and, rescued.
1: And my first thought was, are they going to put them out of their misery on the way out, or are they just going to leave them there to starve to death?
0: Uh, actually, it's funny that you say that. The director said that he left it up to the imagination. He said he made the scene so you would talk about that scene. They pause on it on purpose. Uh, they show Arthur and everybody look at the bodies and have that moment of should we or shouldn't we, and then they walk out. So he really thinks that doesn't matter either way.
1: I just kept thinking that was another thing that they were adding – that was going to haunt this couple in the future. Just seeing that in their minds. Oh,
0: this this couple's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and so is Sheriff Chickory now. So. Yeah, well,
1: that was the other thing I thought of is now that Hunt is dying and Nick is dead, this makes Chickory the head lawman for Bright Hope and now Bright Hope's fucked.
0: Well, not necessarily. Again, overthinking it. I'm sure when he got back, the mayor and his wife had the good sense of not making Chickory the sheriff and getting someone new. Maybe a guy by the name of Wyatt. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so we get out of the
2: cave, and then it shows them walking uh, along the countryside.
0: Do you notice Chickory picks up a rock because he doesn't have a weapon? Yes. I thought that was so. That was a nice touch.
2: Yes. Nice touch. And- My. Oh, on. I'm terrified. And then we hear the two gunshots, followed by one more gunshot. And then a few moments later, Chicory, uh, eh, lose the rock now.
0: Because uh, it's okay. Yeah. and And I like the fact that as they're escaping, Arthur blows on the whistle and no one comes. Right. So at that moment, I took a breath. Yep. Right. And so that's why it's implied that Hunt got all three of them with the three shots because we're. I guess per the map, there was three left, Um, and if anyone thinks otherwise, then you are not giving Kurt Russell the respect he deserves.
1: One of my thoughts was as they're leaving is now they've got to walk back, and they you know it took them so long to get there. They have to you know it's a five day trip normally by horse. They got to walk back. There's no way they're surviving. But then I thought Purvis made the walk, so if Purvis can make the walk, they can make the walk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that ending shot when they're walking through the uh, burial ground is the reverse of the opening shot of when Purvis and Buddy walk into the burial ground. So the movie starts with them walking in and it ends with them walking out.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I was thinking along the lines of, you know, since uh, Arthur makes his way up the back way, if you will, and he's leaving now, where are the fucking horses? Why not give them the horses? That's he he found could've. the horses if you know, since he went in the other way. Unless they ate the horses.
0: Well, that's a really good point. I never even thought about it. And I think you're right. They might have eaten the horses. Okay, but it'd only been a couple of
2: days. or five days. Well, you're gonna ride a dead horse? Well, they they took horses. And so I'm thinking they were gone. You know, uh, it's only been five days. Maybe they eat a horse a day. I don't know. I, I think it's pretty uh, a pretty dire trip back, though, because it was considered to be extremely risky to let him keep his leg. Arthur's leg now has a lot more wear and tear on it, and now he's got a five-day walk back on it. He has um, a few meager possessions under his arm, I think, and then Jessica and then uh, um, the, the wife, uh, Samantha. Samantha, she has uh, the saddlebag over her shoulder, and that's all they got. Purvis has, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Chicory has nothing. And you are going back into the wilderness f- for a five day hike. Good luck, brother.
1: My
0: hey, they have each other.
1: I do want to take a quick poll. Did Arthur keep that leg? No. I think Samantha took that leg.
0: I think you just like the pole.
1: Well, there, there is that. But uh, I have a, I have a better question. I don't think that leg survived. I think that uh, Arthur, because you know the sacrifice he made was to get his wife back, he was in that leg, and he yeah, knew it.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: I don't care. And and the last thought that I had at the very end of the movie, which I'm certain that you two had as well, how the fuck did chicory survive? How did he end up living at the end of this movie? You thought for sure
0: that he wasn't going to make it.
1: No, my, my initial thought was now their lives are in his hands. Yeah, uh,
0: I they still I, have to do the bandits on. The I way back. was I was happy to see Chickory make it out alive. He was a good dude. He was he was a good guy. Well, yeah. Simple. I was glad that he made it out. Well, yeah. How did he do it? Uh, sure, luck, I guess. Plus, you had Kurt Motherfucking Russell. At your side. A.K.A.
1: Jack Burton. Mm.
0: A.K.A. Wyatt Earp. Bad ass. A.K.A. Jake snake Man. <laughs> Call me Snake. Yeah, for sure. Fucking Kurt Russell. Love him. Loved and
2: so him. the movie ends with more cellos.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Very minimal on the music, and that was mm-hmm. very deliberate. I yeah. think I think in movies like this, silence is way scarier than anything that we could get.
2: Do you know? Do you know who did that? Do you know who did the music for that? I do not. The music was put together, that that cello piece, especially at the end, Zoller.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he is a death metal band person. He's in a band.
2: I was not aware of that.
0: Yeah, he's in a band, very very much a musician, I guess is what I should have said. Okay, so we talked about the guy getting split in half being pretty fucking gruesome. John, what did you want to say?
1: I was going to bring up the fact that... There are movies out there that have some pretty gruesome deaths. This, by far, was one of the worst I've seen. But, you know, I like to think of it as the deaths that stick with you. Whenever you think back to a movie, you can't help but think about a specific gruesome death that stuck with you. And I was wondering if there's any movies that you can think of that have stuck with you. Don, you've brought up an example in the past. Tina's death in the original Nightmare on Elm Street has stuck with you.
0: So, are you just going to answer my question for me? Well, I was going to ask because I'm
1: taking that one off the board. No, you can't so, take
0: that one off the board. Because
1: you've already mentioned that one. <sighs> not to the listeners. Dick, yeah, we, did. He we never.
0: We just he, talked about Nightmare Elm Street for like not, an hour and a half. But yeah, but he mentioned tonight. it earlier. I know what you're
1: saying. But is there a, another one that jumps out in your mind that kind of stuck with you? Uh,
0: there are three. There are three. Okay, that I can think of off the top of my head. First one would be Jaws. When Quint gets it, And it's when the shark bites down and he spits up the blood. I remember being at a very impressionable age, watching that for the first time, always stuck with me. Second would be when they opened the arc in Raiders of the Lost Ark and the melty and the melty faces and everything blew up. Again, an impressionable age, stuck with me. And uh, third, and what stands out in my head, is uh, the chestburster scene from Alien. Uh, with John Hurt when he's on the Nostromo and he's on the, it's when the alien hatches for the very first time Mm -hmm. and it's those deaths have, and including Tina's dick uh, have stuck with me and uh, very part, uh, very much a part of my psyche.
1: Would you say that uh, Nick's death in this rates up there with those deaths?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's probably the most gruesome death I've ever seen.
2: Professor, you got anyone that jump out in your mind? Besides this one, I only have one other one. It's uh Quint in Jaws. Yeah. I don't I don't think about the uh the face melting scene, although certainly dramatic, and I definitely do not think about the chest bursting scene at all. When I think of Alien, I don't think about that at all.
0: What do you think about when you think of Alien then?
2: I think about the Xenomorph uh running around the ship. Oh,
0: yeah. Fucking terrifying. When it comes to yeah. Jaws in space.
1: When it comes to Alien for me, I always think about that second mouth that juts out and goes through oh. people's heads—that's the one that always gets that's me when I creepy. think about. But I actually made a list of some of the movies that really jumped out to me, and like you mentioned, Jaws, uh, Raiders of Lost Ark, Aliens. Another one that I think about is the original RoboCop, when Emil gets hit with the toxic waste and he just becomes that melted mess. Of a gloop guy. And he steps out in front of the car and the windshield wipers turn on. And you could see, yeah, and you could <laughs> see the uh, the skin just melting off his fingers. And you see the bones in his fingers. Yeah. That, that scene has stuck with me. Uh, Hellraiser. I know you're not a big fan of the Hellraiser, but every time I think of the Hellraiser movie, I think about those chains and those hooks flying out from nowhere, hooking into people's skin, and then all of a sudden just pulling them apart. That one has always kind of stuck with me scanners you know you can't think of scanners without thinking of people's heads exploding total recall when um cohagan gets to the surface of mars without the helmet on and his eyes just bulge out of his head and he dies a horrible way to die that just those movies in general have always stuck with me and i don't know what it is but i feel like i'm drawn to those movies
0: oh i can tell you what it is sick in the head you're a fucking nut bud Um, yeah, I mean, those are all, uh, when you say those movies, that's what pops into your head. But for me, if you've seen one head explode, you've seen them all explode. How often do you see a guy split down the fucking middle? Right? So.
1: Yeah. The only thing I can think of that comes close is any of the saw movies with those deaths of people pretty much getting torn apart your jaws getting broken open, things like that. So, listeners, if you have any that have jumped out at you, uh, please go
0: ahead and put them in the comments. All right, fuck faces, let's go ahead and rate this bitch. Uh, professor, how do we do our ratings?
2: We do a scale of one to five. A five is a movie that you are eager to watch right now. You just got done watching it and you could watch it all over again. A one is a movie that you have seen it and you have no desire to ever see it again and will choose to never watch it again. And a zero? Zero is going to be a movie that somebody owes you two hours of your life back. It is terrible.
0: Yeah, uh, I can think of a couple. So, uh, Bone Tomahawk, my pick. I'll go first. Please do. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, Like I said earlier, I think if there was one thing I would change about this film is I would find, if I could, 20 minutes or so in this film uh, flick to cut i think it just drags on a little bit too long and i think it does have uh an effect on the rewatchability uh for me uh just a little bit though because if someone said hey let's watch uh bone tomahawk it's all right um Kurt Russell, the way it was cast, uh knowing the backstories of how this got made, 21 days to film. I mean, just the whole thing is impressive. I really enjoyed the dialogue. I enjoyed that they showed the human side of what it was like to be in the old West. Um I thought that the sets were very convincing. I thought the kills were fucking just out the fucking uh they knocked that out of the fucking park. Uh, It has probably the most disturbing death scene I have ever seen in any film. Number one is Bone Tomahawk for me. So uh, with all that being said, I am going to give Bone Tomahawk a 3.75.
1: Wow. Okay. Can I go next? Sure. For me... I'm kind of on the same uh, line that you're thinking, Don, in that uh, the movie, I thought, was fairly good. The journey for me was way too long. That scene could have been cut down a lot. I felt like if they had cut down on that scene, they could have added more to the cave scenes. I would have liked a little bit longer in the cave scenes. I understand that they were going for the uneasy and the jarring effect of everything happening so fast and so brutal, but I would have liked a, a little bit more of that cave area and the action scenes than the, the journey scenes. For me, rewatchability. I'm glad I saw it the first time. Um, I can't see myself going back and re-watching it. If someone said, hey, I've, you know, I just rented Bone Tomahawk. You want to watch it with me? I'd probably pass. Um, If it was a group of friends, maybe I'd watch it. If it was, you know, came on one of the movie channels and wasn't unedited, because I think they'd edit the hell out of it to show it anywhere on TV, um, I might watch some of it. I might want to try to fast forward to the journey and watch the cave scenes a little bit more. Um, So for that reason, since it's, doesn't hold much rewatchability for me, uh, but I love the character development. I love the characters. Couldn't get enough of Kurt Russell.
2: Um, I'm going to give it a 2.0. All right,
0: Professor, you're up.
2: I really appreciated having Kurt Russell along for the ride. He was magnificent in this movie. He plays a very convincing character, and I just really feel like that he is just a classy actor and i really appreciate what he brought to the movie his character was written well i also uh thought that the town was quaint but i understood it's just so we it's a vehicle for us to get to know our characters before we get onto the road that's all that the town is for and then once we get out onto the road all right it's Kind of sort of got a searcher's vibe where you are alone out in the wilderness making your way with nobody else around you and you're just on your own. And once we get to the third act, the third act, that's quite a third act. I cannot think of a more dramatic uh, situation when we are there in the cave. But, you know... (laughs) Samantha she has a wonderful line I love what Samantha says she says uh how does it go it's a frontier life is so hard but because of the idiots I um have a difficult time thinking I'm gonna want to watch this movie again I have seen the movie and it's a little bit of a fascination I suppose to watch that evisceration again, I suppose. But I I feel like that there is a little rewatchability for me to do this again. It was written well. I understand the characters. It really dragged on the road, but I get it because that's just the cadence of a Western as well. It is a slower pace story. And if you are used to, you know, busier movies... It's just going to feel that way. So I I think that for me, watching this movie, I have probably a 1.5 for it.
0: 1.5 from the professor, 2.0 from John, and a 3.75 from myself. Uh, All right. So uh, now comes the point in our podcast where we are going to select our next movie. And now that we are done with these fucking genre picks if i could take back one part of my life and this is a bold fucking statement if i could take back one part of my life i would take back the idea for having genre movies
2: i enjoyed them what about you professor i thought it was a good i thought it was a, a good fun thing to do
0: yeah you both would considering i'm the only one that followed the rules whatever see that's all he's got is whatever
1: You maybe didn't set the rules correctly then.
0: I didn't think I had to, but I think we've had this conversation in like six different podcasts and our fans and True Believer do not want to hear it again. All right, so we are going to pick our first fan pick. Uh, So we're picking it out of the helmet and we're picking and we're picking and this comes to us from our True Believer listener, Zach. We are going to be reviewing next week The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. It was made in 2004 and stars Bill Murray and Owen Wilson. Have you ever seen it? I have not. Have you ever seen it?
2: Nay Nay. Oh,
0: I love this film. I've heard a a
1: lot of good things about it, so I'm kind of excited to see it. Wes Anderson
0: has a very particular style, and I think if you like his style, you'll dig this movie. Uh, My favorite Wes Anderson movie, if you're not all familiar with them, is uh, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And not only because it's stop motion, but just the way it's written and the dialogue. It, it's so good. I really enjoy it. But he's made other movies like The Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list goes on and on. So he's, he's a pretty acclaimed filmmaker. And uh, I look forward to this one.
1: And, and you can't go wrong with Bill Murray. <laughs> not ever, my friend. No. Not ever
0: all right so i think that is going to wrap it up for this episode of three guys in a flick uh we want to thank everyone who listens to us especially ronnie and of course uh zach as well uh hey john where can they find us
1: how would i know
0: hey ken where can they find us in your basement You guys are fucking killing me.
1: They can find us at any popular or unpopular podcast hosting site. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on them all. They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, as well as Instagram, which Don has been updating to. We're on Pinterest. We are on lots of different social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, As soon as Professor gets some videos going, we'll get TikTok going.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait. Not. Uh so for three guys in a flick, I'm Don.
2: I'm John and I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
0: I picked Bone Tomahawk because I knew what it was.
1: Do you have the list of, like, who submitted it? Yeah. So yeah, I would say who submitted it and
2: what genre it is. Kidding. <laughs> I know. Fuck off. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'd say submitted to us by. We will be watching.
0: Is that how would you would say it?
1: And that's how I would say it.
0: Okay. What did you say? Submitted to us by.
1: Yeah. Uh, this viewer or this uh, I was just talking with you dude pick. I don't care do you feel like marketing for this movie missed an easy like opportunity to have the slogan for the movie be get boned
0: uh maybe you know you think a bone you can also think a boner boner tomahawk that might have actually been a parody
1: yeah it could have you, been a good like porn parody well you
0: would know porn master whatever I'm the props master no you're the porn master I've seen your browser history See, you know he's telling the truth because he says, whatever. And ex- what is whatever? Is that a question or is it a statement? Because what is a question ever is whatever ever is.
1: Whatever is is my nice way of saying, fuck that guy.
0: Well, I don't know why you just don't say,
2: fuck that guy. No, whatever translates to, I accept what you're saying, but I'm not going to fight back about it.
0: <laughs> so you accept everything, don't you? Especially in the back door.
2: That's I- Arthur. So, John, did you make your wife... Did you have your wife watch the movie with you? I thought he was going a totally different direction with that <laughs>
1: <laughs> That That actually scared me for a sec, Professor. His heart
0: dropped. <laughs> you, they would both hate me for making you two watch this.
1: It's more than they already do.
0: I hate to break this to you guys, but your wives love me more than they love you. Whatever.
3: Fuck off. Good night.